Welcome, friends, to Historical AF. I'm Kina. And I'm Liz. We are two history podcasts bringing you the eerie and historical nursery rhyme nuggets you never needed in your ear holes. This is Nursery Rhymes Part 3, and I couldn't be happier to be here with one half of Cuban Seeking Human Podcast, Liz! Ah, hi! I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to Human Seeking Human, you have to, because if you like history and you like this podcast, then you have a love of newspapers.com that you don't know you had yet, and classifieds and reading. Oh, my God. So, well, let me not butcher it. Tell everybody what your podcast is. <laughs> Okay. Hi, everybody. So my co-host is Sandy Schieffer, who's also a co-host of Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet with his sister, Christine Schieffer of And That's Why We Drink. So there's a whole rundown that you might like a family tree, almost a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I'm part of the Schieffer dynasty at this point. But what we do is we read clips from old newspapers. We usually start with a personal ad that we pick for each other, dream dates. And then what we do is we find some old newspaper articles. There's some really bizarre ones. Sometimes it's cool stories, cry, spooky stuff. Sometimes it's just like, I can't believe that they wrote an entire article about how Luke from the town next door got dental work done. Like there'll be a full page of news about it. And we'll just talk about how ridiculous 1800s newspapers are. Lots of good stuff. And we have an Instagram too, where we post humorous newspaper clipping sometimes I come across ads where I'm like asbestos snow they were just selling it edible or fireproof (laughs) asbestos snow for your house for decor like just stuff where I'm like I have to put this somewhere so yeah uh... blessing the internet with this knowledge yeah it's wild the 1800s (laughs) is wild the things they thought was safe and fun and they did like really have just beef with a lot of people and put it in the newspaper <laughs> but I oh, guess you yeah. just didn't have Facebook or Twitter to tell people your opinions so you have the and journalistic integrity was not necessarily <laughs> what it is now you know no. people say a lot of things about journalism but I'm like sometimes Sandy and I will come across articles that will say names have been withheld because source is not credible and that, but that's just at the very bottom of the article that you read, and you're like, "Why is it here?" Then? It's just so bizarre. <laughs> oh man, do you only use newspapers to find online, or have you guys dug into other ways? I of finding have them? come across some great articles recently. Like, so the New York Times and Time Magazine both had. It was like the top 21 weird articles from our history because they've been, you know, around for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are great. I think I've exhausted all of them by now, though. So I am kind of like back to newspaper.com. But there's a couple of people on Instagram and a couple of our listeners who will email us really good stuff because I think everybody's hometown has a story. Oh, yeah. Like it has a crime or it has a prank or it has like a really bizarre thing that happened. And when people send those in, that's the best. Even like their families, you know, like, oh, my uncle got pants on, you know on his graduation they've made it front page in the newspaper you know stuff like that where it's like all right well we got to read that on the show now (laughs) oh that's that's great Uh, you're right some small towns have wild newspaper histories i love newspapers 
Speaking of newspapers and my podcast, I hope you don't mind, but yeah. I've prepared a dream date for you <gasps> um, because yeah. we always do that as part of our segment. So full disclosure, these are never serious, just in case any <laughs> listeners are thinking I'm trying to set you up with somebody who posted on the Pittsburgh Gazette in 1998. People were doing the personal ads up until like the mid 2000s. So I didn't realize that because I was alive. And sometimes I just think that these things happen before my time. But no, this was peak. I was a teenager. Yeah. And I do think they got more as less people, you know, partook in personal ads, Mm -hmm. more eccentric people. I think people became like more into the art of the personal ads. It wasn't just like white Christian man looking for Christian white woman. You know, people Mm. became a little bit more. They started doing the like online dating profile descriptions. Oh, that's true. Well, I think they still have that on Craigslist. I haven't been on Craigslist in a hot minute, but I think they still have those there. They might be a little weirder now, but. We dabble in Craigslist sometimes. <laughs> Zandy likes to pull him for his textual encounters. So we get some weird ones. Um, oh, they're weird. So here's your dream date. This is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, March 13th, 1998. Jazz fan. Widowed white man, 66 years old, six feet tall, 170 pounds, dark hair, healthy, fit, non-smoker, active, Highly educated, dancer, worker, antiquer, sports fan, jazz fan, huge history buff. Seeking attractive, classy lady with a sense of humor for a 50-50 relationship. (laughs) I'm in. You know, sense of humor, history buff. I was like, this one will work. I don't know about (laughs) if you're looking for a dark hair, healthy, fit, non-smoking, active, educated, dancer, worker, antiquer, sports fan, jazz fan. But all he's looking for is a classy lady with a sense of humor. I mean, I check a lot of boxes here. I'm excited. Do you have to pay per word? Is like, like how I, you do. I thought so. Yeah, that's a lot of words to put in there. So that's he's I, really trying yeah, to sell himself. That's great. Great for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope it worked out for him. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I always hope these people find like their perfect match. Me too. I think I've I've heard stories. I think it was like mental floss or something. I love them. They have great listicles, mm-hmm. but I think it was some of the the stories of people that actually met on these. Like how adorable. I just imagine, we had somebody like, write in before I was the host that like oh, wow. that we read their personal ad and that's how they met their boyfriend they stayed together for a couple years didn't get married but still still what are the chances that they would write in that's incredible (laughs) it was like a listener's mom and they were listening in the car I can't remember the details because this was before I was a host but it was like it's one of those things where I'm like waiting with bated breath to see if it ever happens again (laughs) oh I hope so I hope so that is amazing I'm sure it will you guys are just blowing up everybody will hear it you're gonna find all these people (laughs) All right. We want to just jump into it. Yeah, why not? All right. So I want to first thank one of my Patreon fam, Allison. She helped me as like a research assistant. First time I've done that. That was really fun. And I just want to say thank you to you guys in Patreon specifically for helping me out because this full-time job thing, it's an adjustment. I'll tell you. 
So we're going to unpack the very messed up and eerie origins of one of the most beloved childhood nursery rhymes slash game slash 2006 banger, London Bridge. Ooh, how very, come every time you come, come around, around London, London? Yes, yep. that, that was my jam in 2006. 2006, Kina, we don't speak of her. <laughs> <laughs> She was not making good choices. So for nearly 2,000 years, a series of bridges has spanned the River Thames in London. I didn't realize it was that long. 2,000 years this bridge has had history. The old London Bridge of the nursery rhyme fame was a stone bridge built by Peter of Colchurch, an architect and priest, between 1776 and 1209. So she old. Really old. Wait, and so the actually- architect was also a Priest. priest yeah multitasking love yeah i love that for him i think at this time everybody just did everything <laughs> and yeah. you didn't have to like go to school for anything so you could just be like i'm a doctor today let's do this i love that <laughs> i had to work way too hard to call myself a historian i'm telling you back then i would have just had so many jobs <laughs> it would have been great and you could have just made things up there's nobody to google exactly and then i would just be the thorn in every podcaster's side be like where did they get that source from doesn't matter exactly (laughs) i decided it was real (laughs) so this actually replaced a bunch of roman bridges that were probably built from 50 just 50 80 to 1176 so oh just 50 just 50 yeah really old because it's mind-boggling in american Because here everything is so, everything past colonialism is so new to us. And no, over there it's like year 50. It's crazy. A year that I can't (laughs) wrap the mind around. Yes. So if you're by chance unfamiliar with this little ditty, it goes, London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down, my fair lady. And I'm not sure about your childhood, but we played this like a game and you had two people with their arms up like a bridge and everybody ran under it. And then at the end, somebody got stuck and then they're like, take the key and lock her up, my fair lady, which I don't think we said that in the hills. I'm a hillbilly. Uh, I think we actually like did a aggressively falling to the ground, but I think it was more of a, what's the other game? Ring around the rosy. I think we got them mixed up because when I was writing this, like, oh, I didn't do that right. <laughs> Oh, we did that. But it was like when London Bridge falls down, you have to try to escape and we are like holding you in the bridge. That's probably what it was. I just remember everybody plummeting to the ground. But I don't think we said the take the key part. No, you got to escape by the time we're done with that. It's a very scary, violent game, (laughs) as most children's games do tend to become. It's true. We survived a lot. Yay, us. All right. So there's a lot of questions, I'm sure. Like, why are we so aggressive? And who is my fair lady? Is it Audrey Hepburn? Why is there a movie called this too? There's like, there's a lot of things. So I'm hoping that I can pack a little bit for you. And again, I think it's because I'm a hillbilly from a town of 400 people. I didn't know that there was more lyrics to this. There's quite a few. So I'm just going to show you and enlighten you because you look shocked too that I say that so yes yeah (laughs) and most of it's just like hey we got to build it again but all these materials are trash and then we're gonna have to rebuild it again so here we go it starts out with sticks and stones but obviously those are just gonna you know break or blow away so they're like next and then they had wood and clay 
But then they're like, oh, it's going to wash away, obviously. And then next, they're like, well, we could do iron and steel, but then these bitches are just going to bend and bow. So moving on. The next one is silver and gold, but they're like, but we don't have any. <laughs> I've never Same. related more. <laughs> yeah. But there's another version that says it'll be stolen away, stolen away, which is a fair point, you know, if you have gold. And this version adds that they would have to have an additional dude to stay up all night because he's going to get sleepy and then they're going to have to give him a pipe to smoke to wake up. So that gets a tangled web there. I've, I'm telling you, nursery rhymes are so weird. That's, you should put that in your contract at your job. If you want me to wake up for work, you're going to need to bring me a pipe to smoke. Thank you. <laughs> it's true. I'm very sleepy. <laughs> very sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the last one is uh, build it up with bricks of Shaw and it will stand forevermore. So it does have a resolution, I guess. Let's talk about some history here. Where did the nursery rhyme actually come from? So interestingly, folklorists around the world have a similar conclusion, which is not very common. A lot of time nursery rhymes are all over the place, depending on where you're at in the world. But they think that London Bridge in its original form popped up in the Middle Ages. But a very large range, probably 1100 to 1453. So can't really pinpoint it any closer to that, but Middle Ages. And we can't really blame historians for the wide range here because it wasn't actually published in writing until 1744. That was a well, long time. That's a lot of years for it to exist. Yeah, yeah. And it there's evidence of it because there was a play, a comedy called the London Chant. Oh, God, words. Chanticleers? I'm sorry, England. Just in general, all of you. And they mentioned, they referenced it in that. It just wasn't published. And that was 1657. So this was floating around. People were playing it and talking about it. Just nobody wrote it down. And I find that so weird because fairy tales were around too, but people were jotting that down. But nursery rhymes, everybody's like, eh, I don't want to write that one down. That's weird. Well, it's easy to remember because it has a song. It's like a jingle. It's true. And our brains are formed to pick up on those patterns. So the first publication was in our dude Tommy Thumb from the episode one, where Tommy Thumb's Pretty Song Book came into play. And the lyrics are almost exactly the way they are today, except Falling Down is Broken Down and My Fair Lady is Dance Over My Lady Lee. And then at the end, it will say, How Shall We Build It Up Again? My Gay Lady. So a little different, but same idea. And it should also I be like noted. I like my gay lady better. I do too. I think we should bring that back. Uh, so it should be noted that similar nursery rhymes popped up in other places around the world. And we don't know if the melody is the same, but we're just kind of assuming. I think a lot of times you hear something, you're like, well, obviously they're doing the same thing. But it has the same game associated. So that's why historians and folklorists are like, they have to be connected. So, for example, in France, we have two similar ones. The draw bit, oh my God, words. Draw bridge is two times shall pass the last. Oh, wait, that didn't make sense. The drawbridge. <sighs> Why is that the hard word? The drawbridge is two times shall pass the last, the last, three times shall pass, the last will stay. So, it's the same idea. The last one you're going to trap. And then the next is. A little more fucked, but it says, What beautiful daughters you'll have, Olive Bouvet. What beautiful daughters you have on the Knight's Bridge. If you can catch, I'll give you Olive Bouvet. If you catch, I'll give you the one on the Knight's Bridge. So he's just throwing away his daughter 
rude. <laughs> Problematic, I yes. say. If you can catch her, sure. You know, I have more than one daughter. Not a big deal. So stupid. Curse you, <laughs> middle ages. <laughs> and so now for going on. Germany, because you know Germany's always coming to play here. My Hockenberry ancestors are probably quaking. So first, it says, I wanted to go over the bridge of Magdeburg. It is broken. Who broke it? <laughs> a mouthful. I'm sure in German it's beautiful and probably makes sense. But in English, it's just kind of like, it's hard to get out. And then it says, the goldsmith, the goldsmith, with his youngest daughter. And then they're blaming the lady again. Let's rebuild it. Let's rebuild it. Build it. What is wrong with me? Let's rebuild it. Using what? Using what? Chains and rods. Get everyone across. Get everyone across. We will catch the last one. So again, it's all about taking the last person to go over the bridge. And none of these have dates associated with them. So it's really hard to tell who came first and who influenced who. But we all know that there's this trend of bridges rebuilding and then catching somebody and making it a game. And again, before That's I researched, so I had no idea there was more than one. So I was really thrilled. And so many materials. I'm like taking notes if I ever need to build a bridge. Chains and rods, gold and silver, <laughs> sticks and stones. It's true. And so we know there's a lot of versions, but what do they mean? Because again, you know, fairy tales usually had some sort of moral lesson. But nursery rhymes usually don't. And that just blows my mind as well. I'm sure you'll be shocked to hear that it's been just debated <laughs> nobody knows <laughs> but historians and folklorists and more try to unpack this and try to get some evidence and one of the most commonly accepted origins is that london bridge was falling down in 1014 because the viking leader olaf haraldson was fucking shit up and pulling it down through an invasion of the british isles Keep in mind that this attack has never been proven, but the legend has inspired a lot of Norse poems, especially around 1230, and then assorted stories throughout history. So we don't have concrete evidence that this attack happened, but it is in a lot of literature, so we're assuming something had to have happened. Because it's unlikely one person was like, yeah, I totally did that, and then people actually listened or wrote it down. It usually has to be something for that many yeah. people to say. In one poem, a verse sounds sort of similar to the nursery rhyme when Samuel Lang translated the Norse saga, oh, I'm so sorry, Hemshringla in 1844. It said, London Bridge is broken down, gold is won, and bright renown. So that kind of seems like a possible clue to where this came from. But again, things can get lost in translation because Norse to English is wildly different and we can... Sometimes if it doesn't translate, we plug in what we think it says, and they might be plugging that in because they'd heard that nursery rhyme before. So you have to mm. take things with a little grain of salt in history. There are other theories that talk about the damage the bridge suffered in 1281 due to ice damage. And then after that, there was a bunch of fires, including the Great Fire of London of 1666. But despite all of its structural failures, the London Bridge survived for 600 years and it never wow. actually fell down. It just had a lot of repairs. By the end of the 18th century, the old London Bridge needed to be replaced. It had fallen to severe disrepair and it was blocking river traffic because now boats are getting bigger. So in 1799, Scottish engineer John Reaney, I think, I don't know, he designed the new London Bridge and it was completed in 1831. 
Now, I think I'm going to blow your mind. In the early 1960s, officials in England made a troubling discovery. London Bridge was actually falling down. Oh, no. (laughs) And it had stood for, so this is new London Bridge. And so it stood for 130 years at this point. And it even survived World War II's blitz in London. So it had seen so much history. It had gone through so much. But it just wasn't going to stand with modern traffic. It was slowly sinking into the river at a rate of one inch every eight years. It wasn't going to last. And because it was so old and it wasn't built for modernity, they decided that renovations just weren't going to happen. So the city of London resolved to build a wider, more car-friendly replacement. And so they did what anybody else would do. They decided to sell it to the city in Arizona. What? Well, it's dry there. (laughs) At least. It's not going to sink into the river. (laughs) So after it was dismantled, each of its 10,276 exterior granite blocks from the original bridge was shipped to Lake Havasu City. Each block was numbered before the bridge was disassembled, and then they reassembled it in Arizona. After being shipped overseas through the Panama Canal to California and then trucked from Long Beach to Arizona. The shipping and assembly of the bridge and the dredging of the man-made channel. So they had to make a channel for it. It's Arizona. (laughs) The cost was $7 million. Today, that is $57 million to move this bridge over to Arizona. So Arizona bought the bridge and was like, we need this bridge. And someone was like, for what river? And they were like, well, we need a river. <laughs> well, just why? Dig a channel. It's going to be fine. And there are some sources that say the guy thought it was a different bridge that he was buying. But some other people say that he knew what he was doing. But they thought this would be like a little tourist trap. And he thought it would bring people to the city. That makes sense. I mean, and you know adorable. what? They always say don't buy the Brooklyn Bridge. I'd like to (laughs) edit that and say maybe don't buy the London Bridge either. Yes. In uh, October 20th, 2018, the city celebrated the 50th anniversary of the purchase. So she's still there and people go to visit. And now I actually kind of want to go see it. So they did their job. It intrigued me. So moving on to the dark and twisty theories. One is that there were bodies encased in the moorings as a result of immurement. So if you don't know what immurement, it's very hard to say. It is when a person is encased in a room or some sort of structure with no openings or exits, and they're left to die of starvation or dehydration. So, yikes. <laughs> There's a, that's the Edgar Allan Poe. Um, yeah. He breaks the guy in. I forget what that one's called. I just, yeah, I forgot to. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. Right. Sorry, Edgar. I like your stuff. I just don't remember <laughs> titles. <laughs> so this was a form of punishment as well as a form of sacrifice throughout history. And the lyric "Take the key and lock her up" is pointed to as a nod to this inhumane practice and the belief that sacrifices may have been children. Yeah, but that might be a stretch. I mean, who knows? Who knows at this point? But it is interesting to note that there is an ancient belief that human blood sacrifices would somehow assure the stability of a structure. So especially the pagans in that area, they would have done something similar. So some historians were like, well, maybe they thought if they encased somebody in the bridge, it would make sure it never fell down, which it technically never did. So it might have done it. 
done its job. <laughs> See, that's why modern bridges don't last. You can exactly. case somebody inside, and uh, and then it'll last six hundred years. It has, you know, oh, this is a terrible story. So the town I'm from, we have this giant dam, and it was built into the bedrock of the city or whatever but i think there was a story that one of the people that work in there fell into the cement and got stuck in it so he's like still there so but Ooh. it never broke so <laughs> probably never will yeah he's yeah holding it in there yeah norfolk dam it was it's a big one i but yeah i always heard because we're on the i say we're i'm not i don't live there anymore but it's on the new madrid fault so there was always talk that if the new madrid ever you know, erupted again, what would happen? But because it's built directly on the bedrock, the dam will move with the earthquake and it won't fall. So I thought that was pretty cool. Not the I just Googled part. it and 77 people died constructing that dam. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I was a very small child when I went to that tour. So maybe they just <laughs> didn't tell us all that. <laughs> it's a lot of people. I feel like OSHA should get involved. Yeah. Oh, that is a lot of people. It's a big dam. I because growing up there, I thought all dams were that big, and then I was like, oh, they're not. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not Hoover by any means, but it's it's pretty big. So do do do. And there's a lot of actual buildings and places around Europe that do have skeletons inside of them in the foundation. So it has happened, and a lot of those structures could be castles and churches. But one bridge in Germany did contain a sacrifice, so it has happened. Ooh. Churches okay. have a lot of dead bodies in them, like old ones. Even the one in San Antonio here, our big cathedral that's part of the Alamo missions, has a bunch of dead people in the walls. Like, it's very common. And they, like, on purpose? Yeah. 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 A, a lot of them are on purpose. No, not sacrifice. In Catholic, like, Catholicism is a bit different. But, yeah, um, I know we have. You're supposed to have like a body part of a saint, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them do, and then there's usually a heart by an altar. Some in most places, it's something like the body parts are relate to some part of the church. But I know yeah. that one they they did some renovations and they found a bunch of bodies that were burnt and nails and stuff. So then they were like, oh, this is definitely the Alamo people. So then they put up this big thing saying this is definitely the Alamo heroes and it's still there but when i was researching it for the podcast i saw a thing from the texas historical association like they don't know that they can't say that that's them but yeah yeah i mean spoiler alert everybody died in the alamo on the texas side and then uh santa Ana just did pyres and just burnt everybody for days and then threw the rest in the river so we don't know what happened to the people but they probably burnt long enough. You can't really burn bodies. I don't know. It's a whole thing. But we don't know where they went. <laughs> but it's hard to say that we know where, like, Bowie and Davy Crockett were specifically. But mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. think it's in that church. Anywho, there's this other lady. Her name is Alice Bertha Gome or Gome. And she wrote in the traditional games of England, Scotland, and Ireland that London Bridge would fall down unless human sacrifices were buried in the foundation. So she goes hard on this theory. Thankfully, archaeological evidence says that they have not found dead children and they don't believe it's true, especially if they moved it. Unless the bodies were in those granite pieces that were smaller and taken down, there's nothing there. 
so she was calling for for them to put dead bodies on the bridge or well she, she was just, just she was calling it that that's what she's like this is the theory oh. that's real this is yeah she was real gung-ho that that was the direction this went but like i said if they took it apart piece by piece they would have found something I, I thought you were know. saying that she was like going out there like we need to put <gasps> bodies in the bridge the first one lasted longer i mean maybe maybe i misinterpreted it but i <laughs> don't think so <laughs> i hope bold not stance. it is a bold stance all right so now we've gone over the big three theories so we had the you know the fires the viking and then the sacrifice so the next big question is who is my fair lady some believe mm. that she might be the virgin mary as part of the theory that the rhyme is a reference to the centuries-old viking attack supposedly it happened on september 8th the date that the virgin mary supposedly was born and is traditionally celebrated and because the vikings were unable to take the city they believe they chanted that the Virgin Mary or Fair Lady protected them from the Vikings. So other theories are that it could possibly be two consorts of British kings, Matilda of Scotland or Eleanor of Provence. And they're popular contenders for Fair Lady because they actually controlled all London Bridge revenue as part of their responsibilities. So that kind of makes sense. And Matilda had even commissioned several bridges to be built in the early 20th or 12th century that helped carry the main London to, oh, English words are hard, Colchester Road across the river and streams around Bow and Stratford. And the last candidate is a member of the Lee family of Stoneley Park in Warwickshire. <sighs> Why do they make words so hard? This family dates back to the 17th century in England, and it claims that one of their own was entombed in the London Bridge, and it was a part of that sacrifice. But again, there's no proof of that. But also that other version says the Lady Lee. So I think that's the connection with that one. And the Fair Lady could also just be a reference to the River Lee, a tributary of the Thames. The London Bridge is falling down has become one of the most popular rhymes in the world. It's continually referenced in literature, pop culture. It was in T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland in 1922, the My Fair Lady musical in 1956, and country music artist Brenda Lee had the song My Whole World is Falling Down. I don't listen to country. I don't know that one. And then, of course, Fergie. And then also there's a traditional tune. The tune of it is used by English football supporters as the basis of their chants. I did not know that because I don't do sports ball, but that sounds <laughs> delightful. And it's a huge mark of our modern day world. But I mean, the, the thing where I shit on everything. We'll never know why. <laughs> and I love how I always in these with like, we don't know. We'll probably never know. But it's a good ride, you know. Oh, yeah. It's a mystery. It is it's a all mystery. a mystery. And unless somebody wrote down, like, I was there, I know exactly, and somebody discovers that someday, it's just all going to be about interpretation. So we'll just... I prefer the, the, the mystery. I like to leave a little bit to the imagination, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe I there's a body. There's probably not a body, but, but until it's proven, I can go... Do you know the... They some people say that the London Bridge has bodies in it. Exactly. Sacrifices. Yep. Nobody it makes can prove it me wrong. More, it makes for a fun story. It gives it a little bit more interesting background, I think. Mm -hmm. mm, definitely. Probably, probably haunted. I didn't look that up, but it, yeah, I'm just gonna say it now. It's probably haunted. Obviously, has to be <laughs> creepy old bridge. Everything old. Haunted. 
<laughs> everything old. It it's has all, to be. Yeah. If anyone, it's if it's been around longer than the average lifespan, you can bet it's got at least a little bit of a energy going on there. I concur. All right. Is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So I am going to talk about the nursery rhyme, Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Ooh, this I'm is excited. one. This is one that like I remember having a lot of questions about when I when I heard it. Like I I grew up around it, I heard it, but I felt like it wasn't like one of those ones where it's tied to a game or mm-hmm. you know, I, f- I feel like it was like just one of those ones where every time it always felt a little random, like a little mm-hmm. bit um abrasive. So, here's the full one. There's not uh like a super long version. The full version is Mary Mary quite contrary, how does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row. It's very cute, but I'm going to get into some not so cute history. So fair warning, uh, medieval (laughs) torture devices are about to come into the um, conversation. Yeah, of course. Why not? So there are a lot of backgrounds for Mary Mary quite contrary um it's been seen as having religious and historical significance but its origins are uh wait sorry that's not i have something in here that i thought was the year but it's a round folk song index which i don't know what that is but i was like its origins come from 1960 26 but that's not <laughs> and also that's weird no proof has been found that the rhyme was known before the 18th century, but there's a lot of speculation that it's related to Mary, Queen of England, Mary Tudor, or Mary, Queen of Scots, even though they were contemporaries in the 16th century. Mm -hmm. So one theory is that it's a religious allegory of Catholicism with Mary being the mother of Jesus, the bells representing the sanctus bells, and the cockle shells, the badges of the pilgrims to the shrine of St. James in Spain, and the pretty maids are nuns. But even within this strand of thought, there's differences, opinions as to whether it is a lament for the reinstatement of Catholicism or for its persecutions. People aren't sure if it's like, you know, poor Mary, she's been, you know, booted or poor, poor us, Mary's reigning. <laughs> it's really it's- hard to differentiate what the tone is of that too. Like the nurse rhyme doesn't really give you a lot of clues. <laughs> it's very neutral. Mm-hmm. It's like short, quick, neutral, and that leaves a lot of room for interpretation. So that was a cu- cute interpretation compared to what's coming. <laughs> um, so Mary in Mary Mary Quite Contrary has also been identified with Mary Tudor, Mary of England. The line, how does your garden grow, is said to refer to her lack of heirs. So the fact that she could not have children or did not have children, she was big for setting in motion a reform to the laws of England in the early 1500s with her implementation of Roman Catholicism. English Protestants were forced to convert to Catholicism or pay the consequences during the Marian persecutions. 
Those who refused to reform were burned at the stake for heresy, a practice used during the Spanish Inquisition. While the English detested the Spanish, Mary's reign became seen as an English Inquisition, earning her a lasting hatred from English Protestant and a pretty cool nickname. But (laughs) unlike her father, Henry VIII, who during his reign executed more than 10,000 people, Mary was actually only instrumental in the deaths of less than 300 people. That has always been interesting to me that she's gone down. It's probably because she's a woman, but yeah, she's gone down to being this just brutal, bloody, you know, tyrant. But everybody's like, oh, yeah, he had a lot of wives. How fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Focusing on the wrong thing. I know, I know. Although I do think it's a little bit like, you know, you're talking about like medieval rulers when it's like, oh, she was only instrumental in the death of less than 300 people. You know, it's true. When you talk about the 80s, people are like, that serial killer killed five people. And when you're talking about the 1500s, it's like she killed, she didn't even kill 300 people. I don't know why she has that (laughs) reputation. Don't be so mean to her. It was only 300. Feminist, it's anti feminist. (laughs) Truly. So, during her first month as queen, Mary, being quite contrary to her people, set the first statute of repeal and nullified all religious legislation passed during the boy king, Edward's, short reign, further allowing her to put into motion the revival of the Heresy Act in 1554. So, another theory is that in the verse, how does your garden grow, the nursery rhyme is alluding to the garden being a cemetery and it growing with the bodies of heretics burned at the stake. Oh. Meanwhile, and here we go, hold on to your hats, silver bells and cockle shells acted as colloquialisms for instruments of torture, where silver bells were thumb screws sorry 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 (laughs) used to crush the thumb between two hard surfaces um and cockle shells sorry again so sorry were torture devices used on the victim's genitals oh (laughs) yeah meanwhile all the pretty maids in a row holds multiple variations with some considering it to allude to the original prototype of the guillotine known as the maiden Um, when shortened to maids yep another device used for torture was the virgin of nuremberg otherwise known as the iron maiden it was with this device that victims would be placed in an upright standing sarcophagus and sealed inside by two doors which had strategically placed spikes that placed that pierced the victim's flesh but not any vital organs oh yeah that's the no for me (laughs) yeah these are awful. I mean, thumb screws like that oh. is so creative in such a terrible way. It is. Do you think that if they had more entertainment, like if they could have read and had Netflix or something, they wouldn't have the time to think of all these creative ways to torture people? It just seems excessive. I just feel like they could have been inventing Netflix, you know? Yeah. There was so much else besides crushing thumbs they could have done yeah agreed Um, (laughs) yeah so mary mary quite contrary is known for having many meanings it is a cute thing that we teach to kids but it also might have some very dark 
historical connotations. Oh, that's incredible. Um, yeah. And if you don't mind, I found a little news clipping that yes. I wanted to include from the 1920s from Fall River, Massachusetts, close <laughs> to where I'm from. Oh, how fun. Um, I know. It's from the 19 it's from April 24th, 1920, and it's one of those things that is just in the newspaper with no context and I'm not sure why. So I figured <laughs> it was perfect for this. So here we go. Fall River Globe, April 24th, 1920, Saturday. Third page of the newspaper, by the way. So high priority story. <clears throat> Contrary Mary. There was a girl named Mary. She was a very good girl, but had one fault, and that was that she was contrary. Whenever her mother asked her to do this or that, she would refuse just to be contrary. It was the same way at school. She did not indulge in any games with other girls because she didn't agree with their ideas. Whenever Mary would approach any of her friends, they would say, Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? This made Mary very angry indeed. She hated to hear this, but what could she do? She knew that as long as she was contrary, her friends would continue to say that to her. So she decided she must act differently. The next day, she was a very changed girl indeed. Whoever came to play with her would find that they didn't need to call her Contrary Mary, for she had learned her lesson. <laughs> That's all. I have no so context. many questions and there are no answers. I just... Wow, I love that there's no context. I love that it ends so abruptly. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> it's I'm, just uh, oh, just somebody writing for the newspaper. Wow. Hard-hitting journalism. It is. What a find, too. What a find. That they're just incorporating nursery rhymes into their little, their, uh, what do you call them in newspapers? Not a segment. Is it a segment? Article? Article. That, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if article is the right word for it, though. It's oh. short and weird and yeah, probably not real. Huh? That's that's really interesting. Of course, my dark ass brain was like, why is nobody asking questions? Who did she murder? <laughs> yeah. Call me contrary one more time. I know. I know. No, that, that would be newsworthy at least. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it would that's so fun and the, it's the 20s that would be that would be a fun time to live yeah i'm imagining mary as being like a flapper yeah, but also a child too. so maybe yeah. not. <laughs> but also a kid yeah that's that is too fun oh i'm so glad you brought two newspaper articles oh, that's incredible oh i'm so glad you came today thank you so much for guesting this has been so much fun I'm so, so happy to be here. This has been wonderful. Your story was great. I learned that nursery rhymes are as dark as I thought they were. And there's way more medieval torture than I ever needed to know. <laughs> I know. Everybody kiss your thumbs goodnight tonight oh, and say, I'm so glad that you're not crushed. <sighs> yes. You know, the medieval era gets, gets a bad rap. And I mean... For obvious reasons, but did you know that that was when coffee shops were invented in the media <gasps> era? So uh, there are some bright spots. My beloved I didn't coffee know shops. That. 
Yeah. So I love was- that. I mean, if anybody needed a coffee shop, it's <laughs> people in the medieval era. Oh my gosh. That's true. Shit got dark. <laughs> yeah. Oh Aptly named the Dark Ages. Yeah, yeah. I just my brother got his thumbs crushed. Let's go get an espresso. <laughs> I need a bagel stat. Like <laughs> I had so much fun. Before we go, let everybody know how they can find your podcast. Yes, we are available on all podcast streaming platforms, Human Seeking Human. We have a funny and wonderful Instagram at Human Seeking Pod. Um, that's sort of all the places you can find us. But if you want to follow Poncho on Instagram, he is at Sir.Poncho, P O N C H O. Um, and yeah, check us out. I am following Poncho right now. <laughs> Oh yeah, I just I just like revitalized his Instagram. It was dead for a while, but now it's back. That is incredible, and I cannot wait to see his daily life. Serpon- um, oh, there he is! Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. This is such a blast. I'm having oh, like the best you. time. Oh, me too. Yeah. This was just the best. I'm so glad you made it. I'm so glad we did this. I want to thank Liz from Human Seeking Human again for joining me for this episode. I had so much fun. And if you haven't listened to their podcast, you have to because it is delightful. I also want to thank you guys for just being so patient and so kind that some of these episodes have been coming out late. This week, I think I worked almost 80 hours and then I hit a deer. So it was a journey and I am so sorry this episode is up late, but I'm trying to do better and I think I found an editor to help me out because your girl is struggling. But on the bright side, if you want to see the episodes and actually hear them before they come out because they come out late all the time. I'm so sorry. I actually, they're all on Patreon. We do them live. So everybody on Patreon can see those and then they don't have to wait on me to get my shit together. And that is patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And I'm hoping to do a little Friendsgiving event soon with them. And we usually do a holiday gift exchange. It's really fun. And it's a little family and we are all just genuine friends. So as weird as it sounds, join Patreon. <laughs> Get some internet friends. Oh, that's terrible, Kina. Why do you say these things? Am I drunk editing? Probably. Yes, I am. But you know what? It is my only day off this week, and I just want to treat myself. Anyway, if you want to buy some merch, holidays are coming up. Who knows? Treat yourself. That is shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. If there are things you would like to email me, stories, I really want to kick up these listener stories again. I just don't have any emails. So send those in to historicalafpod at gmail.com. And Ashley and I would love, love to read those to y'all. I also just want to say that you guys bring me a lot of joy and I can't say that enough. So thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for everything that you will do. And thank you for keeping this podcast alive. I will see you next time with a new theme. It'll be Indigenous History with Ashley Part 1. I can't wait. I'm really excited. Okay, bye.